0: Remember last week or two weeks ago, I I said that I had a feeling where the Lord was taking me, and I didn't want to say it then because I could see where he was taking me, but I didn't want to speak to it too soon about, because I'm still on this return of the church overall message for the year. That was my plan. I gave that plan to the Lord. He approved that plan, and then y'all started praying. And he took me off of that course yeah, that's for that's your that's sake, that's because that's what the chief shepherd does. You know, pastors are under shepherds to the chief shepherd. Christ, the Bible calls him the chief shepherd over all the shepherds. So y'all are his sheep and we just manage to flop. And sometimes the sheep have a need and he'll say, all right, you got to change directions. So remember I said I, I could sense the Lord was changing the direction and I had a feeling what he was going to have me on. But then I didn't want to say it too soon just in case I was wrong. And I don't like being wrong. I'm not wrong often, but when I am, it really devastates me. Um, and then Sunday, this past Sunday, Pastor Diana had the nerve, the unmitigated gall, to get right into where the Lord was taking me. She had the nerve to start talking about faith. And I said to myself, I said, self, we cannot let that stand. How dare she? And if I had my way, I would let her teach tonight because Sunday was awesome. And I could take another one of those. But I'll be here on Sunday to get a second dose. So tonight, I'm going to complement this faith message. Because so saith the Lord. And I did not know what she was going to teach on Sunday. I just knew the Lord, the direction he was taking me in. And we don't, we talk about the word, but we don't talk about what we're preaching. We don't confer in advance about what we're going to teach on. We don't. So I don't know when she gets up here, when she say what she say, I'm, I'm hearing it for the first time just like you are. We discuss the word in general with each other, but not necessarily what we're going to teach. So I'm just praying and hearing the same thing she's hearing, but it ain't but one Holy Ghost. That's how I know I'm plugged in. Right. Because when you're plugged in, you hear the same thing from the same Holy Ghost. So it ain't but one of him. So anyway, I'm going to preach the compliment to faith. And the title of my message tonight is love, the shield for your faith. Now, Ephesians 6 says that love, that we have a shield of faith that faith is our shield, but faith itself must have a shield. And that shield is love. Now, some messages are easier to teach than others because, well, you know, if you think, if if you get the impression that I'm patting myself on the back, oh, well, I can't help you. But I'm not. I'm just going to be honest about me because I have worked most of my life on love. I have worked intentionally to perfect my love walk. And anybody that knows me knows I am a man who walks in a high degree of love. That's not me bragging on me. I was not born that way. I was, it's not a, 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 issue of opportunity. I've had many an opportunity to hold grudges, to be angry, to be spiteful, to be a a gossiper, to be I am not that man by choice. And it's a daily choice. So when I teach on love, I'm not just teaching the concept. I am teaching the concept, but I'm also teaching from out of a character that God has developed in me since I was a child. I know love. I know how to love. I know how to be loved. That's why, it, and I don't, I'm not saying that it's always easy, because it isn't. But it is who I've decided to be. And I am very well, what's the word? Because Well, anyway, I am advanced in the lifestyle of love. Now, there are other areas that the Lord is still growing me in. He's still growing me in love, too. But you can be ahead in some stuff. And when it comes to love, I am ahead in love. I walk in a high degree of love because since I was a child, it was nurtured in me. And it was encouraged in me. But I also decided as a young teenager, I was going to be a person who walked in love if I didn't understand anything else. I was not going to hate people. I was not going to be angry. I was not going to hold grudges. I was going to forgive quickly. I was going to be a person who put my personal feelings aside to see someone else get what I was believing for. That is why when I tell people, anytime I have a faith project, I get it. It's because my love is developed. My issue has been in time past. Not now, but in time past, my issue was always not going far enough in my faith. Because the devil couldn't he lost the love battle with me when I was a kid. He knew he could never get me to stop walking in love. But if he could get me to be afraid of walking in faith, that's where he would slow me down. And I'm gonna teach about that a little bit tonight. Now, by the grace of God I have attained victory over that. But Love preserves your ability to walk in faith. Faith is easy when love is easy, because love is way harder to do than faith. You think faith is hard, because faith is preached at you all the time, but faith without love is useless. Turn with me, turn with me to Hebrews 11. Pastor ain't even stole my scripture. You know, I wasn't in the Bible before tonight. <laughs> she ripped off my notes and put it in the Bible. And uh, judgment is coming. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> no, it just makes me more comfortable that the senior pastor of the church is a woman who can hear from God because that'll make you nervous. If she came in here with some warmed-over commentary from 20 years ago, <laughs> you know, and just read off a sheet, i get nervous, because you might have a today issue. You need a today word, right. you know. Anybody can read off a commentary and, and something they prepared 20 years ago that really moves the crowd, but that don't mean that they're hearing from God. Nothing wrong with commentary. There's a lot of good in that, too, but... You need somebody that can hear from God to change direction. You know, if your pastor can't change direction, I'm talking to y'all online. That's not rapture members. If your pastor can't change direction, you might be getting blindsided by the enemy and not know it. Because your enemy can change direction. The wolf can come at you from any side. And as a member of the flock, it's the shepherd's job to watch all the angles. And if the wolf's coming from the east, but the shepherd's looking west. <laughs> east, west. The shepherd's looking west while the wolf coming from the east because they planned six months ago we're going this way. The flock is getting devoured, and the shepherd's doing his job, collecting his paycheck. There's a lot of churches like that. He should be hanging back watching. Wolf coming from over there. All right, that's where we're going. Mm -hmm. And then if the wolf changes direction, the shepherd changes direction. And that can happen many times from one service to the next. It's not that we're not prepared. It's that we got a living enemy that's always moving. Mm -hmm. He's bouncing around trying to keep us on our toes. Because, see, we've been practicing for this. Mm -hmm. That's called praying in the Spirit. That's That's called getting up earlier than y'all and fasting. Mm -hmm. That's how we get Ahead of the wolf. So when it looked like we changed directions, I'll tell you, I'm teaching this one thing all year, but I was nice in January. But here we are. So this must be really important to God for right now. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders retained a good report. Through faith we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which we can see. Now, faith, if you're taking notes, I got a few for you. And I wrote these in my words, in my language. So I'll read over a few times because I know sometimes I'm loquacious. Faith is the product, oops, I'm looking at the wrong one. Faith is the most awesome creative and destructive force in the universe. That's point one. Faith is the most awesome creative and destructive force in the universe. God, by faith, created the universe. It is the single most awesome creative and destructive force In all of the universe if you were to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and you see that God spoke when he spoke his faith was released the same way when we speak our faith is released and when faith is released that the Spirit of God moves and does either creative or destructive now go to st. John chapter 1 that's the gospel of John not the letters of John I'm going to build this a little bit like a case. You know, when you're trying a case, when a lawyer is trying a case, they want a sequence that you can follow. You know, they want to lay out the events in a certain sequence. They don't just want to throw random facts at you. Even if they're all true, you want to build a foundation of events that the listener can follow because you want them to see it in their mind, right? I like Teaching like that when I have the opportunity. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So we see that the Word of God was used. To create, by faith, everything that we've seen. Somebody find me the scripture, please. Because I just realized I didn't write it in my notes and I don't want to search around because my time is limited. Find me the scripture that says faith cometh by hearing. I can see it on the page, but I'm drawing a blank on the, on the reference. It's Roman something. Romans 1017. Thank you very much. I'm gonna give a dollar to whoever said that first. She claimed it you're gonna get your dollar. Now if I don't have a dollar, I owe you a dollar. <laughs> well, I might not have a bill that small on me. You take whatever I got. Okay. <laughs> she said, I'll take whatever bill you got. All right. I'll give you my light bill. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you say that you take whatever bill. <laughs> Romans 10 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we see a sequence of events. Faith comes when the word of God is spoken and heard. So who has to do the hearing for faith to come? I do. You do. That's true. That's not incorrect, but sometimes, I've said this before, you can have, it's not necessarily incorrect, but it can be incomplete. Now, who was doing the hearing in Genesis? Because you weren't around. Who heard the word when God spoke? Who heard it? There we go. Somebody been in this church for a while. The Holy Spirit heard it. When God said, let the waters, where was, what was the Holy Spirit doing before the waters started parting? What does the Bible say he was doing? Hover. He was hovering over the waters, waiting for the word to be spoken. So the Holy Spirit moves when the word is spoken in faith. So faith moves the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit now? In you. In you. you can't help him, Pastor Diana. You got... You you can't help them now. It's kind of a pop quiz. <laughs> we know who the Bible Trivia Team is. We got a game that is so obscure, you got to read the whole Bible 32 times in a row to know the answers to some of those questions. It's this Bible Trivia Game we found years ago. It's, I've never seen the word divide so many families. <laughs> it's the hardest Bible Trivia Game I've ever seen. It's tough. So the Holy Spirit is in us, listening for the word. You want the Holy Spirit to move? Speak the word to him. Because the Holy Spirit's always been the one who moved when the word was spoken. The Bible said that the word became flesh, correct? We know, and we called him Jesus, right? The word became flesh. But the Bible also says, when Mary asked the angel... How will these things be, seeing I've known no man? She said, I've never been with a man, so how am I to be pregnant? What did the angel say? He said, the Holy Ghost would come upon you. So a word of faith was spoken and moved the Holy Ghost into the womb of that woman, and she bore a child. Anytime words of faith are spoken, the Spirit of God moves, because faith moves God. And God moves the mountains and God moves whatever is in your way. And God creates and destroys by the word of faith that's spoken because the word is God in spoken form and God can only be moved by God. God moves God. That's why you must speak the word, because he can only be moved by himself. There's nothing else that can move him. Okay, this is, the, this is the entry, all right? Y'all with me? Mm-hmm. When you speak the word of God, you release the faith of God, and the Holy Spirit of God responds to that word and that faith and moves on your behalf. This is why you can't say just anything, because the Holy Ghost don't move to just anything. Now, point number two, if you're taking notes. Faith is the product of the word of God, being the spoken expression of God himself. And we went to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, for that. And then Romans ten seventeen confirms that, that faith comes when the word is heard. And our hearing is the voice, is us hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that before some time ago. I think it was last year sometime where he, us hearing the word is us hearing the Holy Spirit responding to the word in our spirit. And we hear him say to us what brings faith to us because that's how faith comes. I know I'm kind of moving kind of fast through those points because I haven't said anything about love yet, right? And I don't know what Pastor Daniel is going to teach her on Sunday, but she going to stomp all over. <laughs> not not in a bad way. But whatever I'm saying, she going to dig a little deeper and go a little wider and so I'm just covering all my bases. <laughs> Cuz when she get in here, she gonna, she going to blow it up. That's what she does. That's what she's supposed to do. I got to keep her on her toes. I don't want her to get I don't want her to get slack on me, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's going to come in and reveal a deeper level of understanding because she's my pastor, too. Mm -hmm. And so I like to sit there and get taught. Mm -hmm. Faith is the product of the word of God being the spoken expression of God himself. So faith comes when the spoken expression of God is released. We call that the word of God. I'll say it one more time. Faith is the product of the word of God being the spoken expression of God himself. Point number three. Now, this one's a little longer, but I'm going to go slow. It's not that long. (laughs) Yeah, you might have watched this one a couple times. Because the word of God is the source of faith, Because the Word of God is the source of faith, and the Word of God is God, okay, because... (laughs) Thank you, Brother JJ. (laughs) Because the Word of God is the source of faith, and the Word of God is God, the only way faith can be manipulated, the only way faith can be manipulated, is by one who is like God himself using it the way God does. The only way faith can be manipulated is by one who is like God, using it the way God does. The devil can't use faith. A sinner can't use faith. Now, they can use fear, but they can't use faith. You say, well, what about when you were a sinner and you believed for salvation? Wasn't that an act of faith? Yes. But what did Jesus tell his disciples? The only way you can be saved is if the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. See, when I preach to a sinner, I'm inviting him to receive the Holy Ghost. And then the Holy Ghost can come in and bring the faith with him to transform them. Mm -hmm. They can't have faith for salvation without the Holy Ghost being involved in the transaction. You got a lot of sinners joining churches and claiming religious affiliation Mm -hmm. where there's no Holy Ghost involved. They're not saved because they do all the salvation stuff. You can can get dunked in the water. Somebody can lay hands on you. I can't transfer the Holy Ghost to you unless the Holy Ghost is there to be transferred to you. And you have to receive him. When Jesus came back from his uh, ascension, before his ascension, after the resurrection, and he came and he breathed on his disciples, he said, receive the Holy Ghost. Receiving is an action you have to take. He didn't just blow the Holy Ghost on them and leave. He commanded them to receive him. If they didn't receive him, they wouldn't have had him. Okay? So there is no faith without the Holy Spirit. Even the sinner's faith for salvation comes from the Holy Spirit involving in the transaction and bringing the faith to change them with him. So when you're preaching to a sinner to get saved, don't focus on a whole bunch of principles, trying to teach people a whole bunch of principles they don't have faith for, because you're going to waste your time. Ask, you know, people, sinners ask a lot of questions to see if it's worth their time yep. believing your God. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't answer those questions. You ever know Jesus didn't answer those questions? Mm-hmm. Jesus would teach his disciples, because all of Jesus' disciples had made a commitment when they were with John the Baptist. They got baptized, yep. and that didn't save them, But it secured their commitment to Jesus. So then when Jesus showed up, he would teach stuff to his disciples because they made a conscious decision to be taught by him. They weren't testing his knowledge to see if the stuff he was saying was worthwhile. They had decided, we're going to follow you the way we follow John. That's why John the Baptist came, to single out the people that were going to be willing to follow Jesus when Jesus came. Those are the people Jesus spent time explaining stuff to. But when them lawyers and them, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees would show up and try to debate religious stuff with Jesus, he never did it. You know, this Jesus would shut them down real quick or he'd just ignore them and go teach his disciples. Don't waste your time in religious debate with people who don't want your God. It's not hard to find out when somebody wants something. The Holy Ghost not a hard sell. He's not to somebody that's hungry. But to somebody that got 20,000 questions, man, I, I'm, I'm so close. I just, I need to know, what does it mean when it, you can't understand this book? I tell people, I say, look, this book's not for you. This book is not for you. There's only a few pieces in this book that you can do right now. You can receive Christ as your savior. That's the only thing in this book that has any meaning to you. Now, once that happens, the rest of this book can be useful to you. So I'm not going to argue what, what did Genesis 3, 15, mean when he said this and that. I don't mean nothing to you. The Muslims got to an answer for that. The Buddhists got to an answer for that. Go listen to them. Take, take their advice on that. And that's how you shut that down. More people will be interested in your God if you don't try to pardon the expression, if you don't try to whore him out to their intellect. Yeah. Because then you look desperate. Mm-hmm. Like you're so desperate to to get them to to believe in your God that you'll just sit there for two hours and try to explain words you barely understand to them? i give you a simple test. Explain to somebody the love you have for your wife, husbands. Explain your love for your wife. You can't do it. Promise you you can't do it. You can talk about stuff you do for her. You can talk about how she make you feel sometimes, but that's not the core of your love. It's in You can't explain it in words to another person. I can't tell you the love I have for my wife. I can just tell you stuff I do, stuff she does, that other people do too. But when you are in a fellowship, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you can't explain that intellectually. All you can do is invite them to experience it for themselves. That's the best witnessing tool you'll ever have. Invite them to an experience. Don't try to explain to their intellect what you experience. You can't do it. That's why a man can't feel like a woman. Because you, I've never had a woman explain to me what being a woman felt like. So what is the point of reference? I can put on a dress. Does that mean being a woman? means putting on dresses? Not all women wear dresses. Ask any woman you know. What does it feel like being a woman? She can't tell you because she just just is one. So whatever he's feeling, he couldn't know. That's what being a woman feels like. All he can know is I like doing stuff I've seen women do. But that don't make you a woman. And vice versa. It don't make you a man. You can't feel like a man because I don't feel like a man. I don't have a point of reference to feel any other way. I just am what I am. I might feel like a horse and don't know it. (laughs) Never been in a horse, body to know. You got to have a frame of reference to identify a feeling, right? I know hungry because when I don't eat, my body feels a certain way. And it's always felt that way when I didn't eat. So over time, I could identify that feeling with hunger. Then I eat, and that feeling goes away, right? I know what hungry feels like. I know what sleepy feels like. I know what angry feels like, because those are things I can correct and make the feeling go away, right? I don't know what man feels like. I have not found a way to make it go away. (laughs) So I have to conclude scientifically that there is no feeling of being a man. You just are one. And if you are one, you are one. <laughs> and if you're not one, you can't feel like one. You can just think that what you are feeling equals man. But you have no way to know. And that's the question I ask people when they come to me and say that kind of stuff. I say, how do you know? How do you know you don't feel like a unicorn? Maybe you just got feeling wrong. You're going you to base your whole life on that? Something to think about. Anyway, how would I get on that? That was for somebody. Nobody in here. But that was for somebody. <laughs> He's looking around like, who was that for? <laughs> <laughs> because the Word of God is the source of faith, and the Word of God is God, the only way faith can be manipulated is by one who is like God Himself, using it the way God does. So what is God? God is love. Go to 1 John chapter 4. This is the letters of John. So 1 John chapter 4. Uh-oh, I think Pastor is gonna go there. Oh, I just she just she's just excited. See, I'm trying to head her off because she's gonna come in here on Sunday and I'ma look like two cents. I don't mind that. <laughs> Let me qualify that statement. I don't mind that because an element of love is humility. And the worst thing I could do to myself is try to out-preach Pastor Diana. I teach what the Lord gives me and then I sit down. Because the, one of the fundamental characteristics of love is submission and humility. I'm not trying to shine when I'm up here. I'm just trying to do what the Lord gave me to do. That's, right. That's all I want is for you to hear what God gave me to you. So if she come in here and just preach this roof off, I'm sitting right there happy. I don't go, mm, I could have used that. That's not how my mind don't work that way. I grew up out of that long time ago. I don't sit there and go, oh, look at her. Look, they, they shouting a whole lot louder than when I teach. I don't think that way. I man, I don't go there. You know what I go? Get him. Get him, mama. <laughs> and I'm, get me too. I'm taking notes. Because I'm not competing. I would lose anyway. She'd beat me on experience alone. <laughs> she would beat me on experience if nothing else. But I'm not competing with nobody. I just want to do what God gave me to do. And He didn't make me good at dancing but he did make me good at talking. So that's what I do. You want me to dance for the Lord? You got the wrong Davis. (laughs) You got the wrong one. First John chapter four, go to verse seven. We call John the apostle of love because John had a revelation of love. He called himself the one whom Jesus loved. He identified himself as Jesus loves me. Mm-hmm. And when he talked about himself, that's what he would say. And the other disciples called him that. That's the one, that's the one that Jesus loves. Mm-hmm. That's the one Jesus loves. That was his confession. Because he had a love revelation. Mm-hmm. Verse 7, chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. He didn't just say God is loving or that God has love. He said God is love. God is love. Now jump down to verse 16, same chapter, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He reiterates that point. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, he says a very important thing here. He says our love is completed. That's what perfect means. Herein is our love made perfect or made complete, made mature. That so that, now you got to follow me here. He's making a case here. He's saying so that we can have boldness in the day of judgment, we must perfect our love. The way it's written is kind of written in reverse. It's not a, a statement of our love is perfected because as he is, so are we. He's saying when your love is perfected, as he is, so are you. Does that make sense? You are not automatically like him until your love is perfected. This is what John is saying. Because he goes from verse 7 to verse 16 talking about God is love and we must love one another the way God loves us. That is how we perfect our love so that in the day of judgment we can have boldness because when we see him, As he is so we will be in this world that's what he's saying don't let the King James version wording throw you off he's saying perfect your love walk so that you can be like him you are not like him in character until your love is perfected now you are like him in nature at birth when you were born again you were made the righteousness of God and given his nature but just like a man can put on a dress, call himself a woman, and violate his nature, you can put on a lifestyle that's not love and violate your nature. Amen. You understand? Yeah. Just because you were born a certain way does not mean you can't go against your nature. That's right. You can deny your nature. And many of us are denying the nature of God because we refuse to perfect our love, because our soul doesn't get born again. When our spirit gets born again and our flesh, our body does not get born again when our spirit gets born again. So while our spirit is just like God, our soul and our flesh still got problems with people. And it's our responsibility to bring our soul and our flesh into submission to who we are now. That's what John is saying here. In case you hadn't figured that out. Then he says in verse 18, there is no fear in love. Doesn't say anything about faith. But complete love, mature love, cast out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made complete or mature in love. Didn't say anything about faith. Now, we've learned faith in this church. We're a word of faith church. And we know that fear is the opposite, the anti-faith. Fear comes to cripple faith. But you notice John doesn't say to cast out fear you need greater faith. Doesn't say anything about faith. He said love, cast out fear, not faith. And some of you, when you are challenged with fear, your go-to reaction is to try to build your faith up. You should be building your faith up anyway. But your fear don't go away with more faith because a little bit of fear can contaminate all your faith. What casts out fear is love, not faith. Go to first Corinthians chapter 13. And while you're turning there, I will read this note to you. This one's long. You're going to have to watch the last three. I apologize in advance, but I'm not really sorry. It's just a formality. First Corinthians 13. If you've had counseling from me recently, you know this chapter well, because whether it's marriage counseling or healing for your body or whatever, I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians 13. While you're turning there, I'm going to read this note. It can then be concluded. I love the conclusions that you can find in the Bible. Nothing like a good conclusion. I'm always jumping to them. It can then be concluded that in order to use God's most powerful tool, which is faith, one must develop God's most important characteristic, which is love. In order to use God's most powerful tool, you must develop God's most important characteristic. One who is underdeveloped in love is an easy victim of fear which is the opposite and negative form of faith. Faith does not cast out fear. Love casts out fear. In the absence of fear, faith can work freely. So it behooves you to work on your love. Now 1 Corinthians 13, now I'm gonna make a little segue here. If, like I said, if you've been counseling with me, you've seen this book. I'm not plugging for anybody else's ministry, but Pastor Mark Hankins wrote this book mm-hmm. and you know we are partners in faith, yeah. their ministry and our ministry. And this little book, if you don't have it, it's called Love, the Secret to Success, you need to buy ten of them yeah. and just leave them all over your house. Yeah. It's very thin. Yeah. But man, this thing transformed your life so much. And they didn't ask us to do this. They don't know I'm doing this. But when something works, It works. And because our ministries are in partnership, Pastor Diana does not uh, object to me telling you all about this book. You need this book. I'm going to read, because he put multiple, he put the same scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, but he put it in multiple translations all throughout the book. And different translations give it in different wordings and different perspectives. And when you read it, it just makes it so simple. And this, I mean, the book is so thin, you can read it every day from cover to cover. And it'll just, it'll, it'll mess you up wherever you're messed up. So I'm going to read the Hayford translation, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. You follow along the best you can. But I love the way this is worded in the Hayford translation. Love suffers long. Now, what is love? This is the character of God, okay? The Bible says God is love. We, we established that, right? So what is love? This is love. Love suffers long. Having patience with imperfect people. Love is kind, active in doing good. I could argue proactive in doing good. It's not doing good when you feel like it. It's not doing good when opportunity arises. It's creating opportunity just to do good. Just to do good. Love does not envy. It does not envy. Since it is non-possessive and non-competitive, that's a tough one for a lot of us, it is non-possessive and non-competitive. It actually wants others to get ahead. It doesn't say it gets over it when they get ahead. It said it wants others to get ahead. Love would rather you get it. I've been believing for it for a while, but I see you get it. I'm going to rejoice with you. I'm not saying this half-hearted statement. I'm next. Ain't no loving that. I ain't got to be next. Oh, your love ain't perfected until you, gotta, till, till you, can't, you ain't got to be next no more. Because a lot of times when we say I'm next, what we're really saying is, should have been me. So I'm going to steal some of the attention and act like I'm right. I don't know what he did to get what he, what he received. I'm still learning. I might not be next. might be 20 more people get it before I get it. But I'm happy you getting it. That's love. Now, don't get a heavy on you if you say I'm next, because that can be a faith statement. Just a lot of times it ain't. And you know the difference. Before you holler out, I'm next, check your heart. Am I saying I'm next because I'm a little bit salty and I just want to <laughs> soothe myself? Or am I saying I'm next because I really believe that I'm next? Because it can go either way. it Yes, It does not parade itself. Love has a self-effacing quality. Self-effacing means you can make fun of love. Love don't think too highly of itself. doesn't mean it'll it'll let you disrespect it. But you know some people are real sensitive. You can't say nothing to them without them getting offended. Love is not like that. Love can take one on the chin and laugh at itself. Because love is not, The love does not have low self-esteem. When love goes home, love is happy with itself. I I tell everybody, I like me. I already got the girl. I ain't got to prove nothing to nobody. So everything I do, I do because I like me. I was happy when I was fat. And now I got a few muscles. I feel even happier. I'm not doing it to look a certain way, believe it or not. I'm doing it to be healthy because I want to live to be 120. That's my only goal because I like me. I'm not trying to leave this life any sooner than I have to because I like me. And I could spend all day with me for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. So I, I like me, so I want to do good to me. Yes. That's the only reason why I go to the gym. Because I like me. Yes. I, don't care, I don't care what you think of how I look. That's right. That's right. That's right. I just want to make sure I'm making progress. That's all. That's right. That's right. Amen. It is not ostentatious. In other words, it does not show itself off. Come on. Oh, love does something good. You know, we live in an Instagram society. Yeah where every time somebody does a good deed for somebody, they post it all over their social media. That's ostentatious, you know. I, I ran into this homeless guy and I gave him 20 bucks. Follow me on Twitter. That's not love. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Love is I ran into this homeless guy and I gave him $20 and he don't even know my name. Love is not puffed up, treating others arrogantly. It does not behave rudely. If you are a rude person, you have a problem with your love life. We're all works in progress, but we have to be making progress. If you have a reputation for being perpetually rude, you have a love issue. It don't mean you hate anybody. Love is not a feeling. But we have to be proactive about love. You have to be extra nice all the time. That's tough for some people. Because some of us don't have that naturally in our personality. Some of us don't have nice naturally in our personality. I know that. But so what? You don't have saved naturally in your personality either. But when you die, you want to go where all the saved people go. You don't want to find out that you're not going there because you weren't naturally that way. You shouldn't have a reputation for being rude. It takes a long time to get me to be rude to somebody. A lot. I got to be a little hungry, a little sleepy. My wife got to be nagging me about something. It takes a lot for me to get rude. And then I'm not rude for long, and then I'm apologizing profusely after the fact because it's not natural for me. It would be like me putting on a dress. I'm not saying that because of my personality. I'm saying that because since I was 12 years old, I've been working on my love walk. I have experience in overcoming my flesh in the area of love more than a lot of Christians. And that's not a brag. That's just the truth. I'm a great piano player, too because I practice all the time. You get good at anything, you practice all the time. And I get challenged the same way as anybody else, but I've decided to be a certain way. When somebody gets something I want, I rejoice for them. That teaches me humility. It teaches me love. It don't mean I'm happy they got it. I make myself happy that they got it. And then I go a little extra. Hey, man, if you need something, hey, if you need a little help, you need something, I, got, I call me. I'm not just receiving all the accolade when something good happens to me. I'm looking for a chance to give accolade to somebody else. I don't know how much time I got. <laughs> you just saw me get rude. No, nah, I'm just playing. No, nah, I'm just playing. I'm going to get through this, but then I'm going to have to come back. I'm going to read it all. Because I'm, I'm almost done. Love, does not, love is not puffed up, treating others arrogantly. It does not behave rudely, but it's good manners and courtesy. Love does not seek its own, insisting on its own rights and demanding precedence. Sometimes you got rights, you have to give them up. It doesn't mean you let people disrespect you. But sometimes you can be so insistent on what you think you have a right to, that you create problems where they don't need to be problems just because you're trying to get what you feel you have a right to. Mm-hmm. If I fought for all of my rights, I wouldn't even be here. Mm-hmm. I give up rights all the time for the sake of the greater good. That's right. And when you learn to do that, now you're on the path of love. Mm-hmm. Love is not provoked, it is not irritable or touchy, it is not rough or hostile, but it is graceful under pressure. Love thinks no evil. It doesn't even think evil. Didn't say it doesn't do evil. It don't even think evil. I will not think evil about people. I can be honest about somebody's weakness, but I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to go, yeah, she always had that problem. She ain't going to ever get no better in it. No. I'm going to find something good about that person to highlight. While I'm honest about their weaknesses, I have to be more truthful about how God sees them. Because I might spend eternity next door to them. It does not keep an account of wrongs done to it. Yeah, you did me wrong 10 years ago. I'm over it. It erases resentments. It does not rejoice in iniquity, finding satisfaction in the shortcomings of others and spreading an evil report. You know how you found out since the so-and-so finally got what was coming to her? and you go, mm-hmm, love don't go, mm-hmm, love goes, man. I'm sorry that happened to her. I was really praying for her. If you got that mm-hmm in you, your love walk ain't perfected yet. It's one thing to notice. It's another thing to rejoice. Pastor Danny, will you give me two more minutes just to finish this page? Thank you. Rather, it rejoices in the truth, aggressively advertising the good. Let me find out something good about you. I'm going to tell everybody. That's right. I have clients who can't really sing that good, but they think they Tina Turner. <laughs> because when they come into my studio, I've been waiting on you. Yeah, you can do that. That's you all day. And I have clients that have been with me for years, and they say, you know what, man, you're the only person that actually believes I can do this. And I'm honest with them. I have one client, I told them, I said, you ain't got no rhythm. I said, you ain't got no rhythm, and you're tone deaf. I said, but you know what I love? Your commitment. I said, because half the guys on the radio now ain't got no rhythm, and they tone deaf too. And they made it just because they won't quit. And I love that you won't quit. That's what I tell them. I said, man, I love your commitment. He didn't want me almost seven years. And you know what? He got four albums out. You ain't got an album out with all your rhythm. He done put four records out. Five, actually maybe five. Because instead of pointing, and he laughs about it, because I tell him, I say, yeah, man, you ain't got no rhythm. He said, I know. But I love making music, man. I just love it. I say, well, let's focus on that. Because you can succeed just out of doing it. That's how you're supposed to talk to people. You don't, you advertise the good. He knows how to commit to something. That's good. Mm-hmm. Love bears all things, defending and holding other people up. It believes the best about others, credits them with good intentions, and is not suspicious. So even if they do wrong, my first reaction is maybe they meant to do something else. Let me find out first. Yeah, that's right. I'm not immediately suspicious because they do something a little weird. Finally, love hopes all things. It never giving up on people. But affirming their future, it endures all things, persevering and remaining loyal to the end. Who does that sound like to you while you sit here having deserved death in hell, but instead guaranteed life in heaven? Who does that sound like? You want to use God's faith? That's the person you got to be. You might not get there in one day. But every day, starting today, you need to decide, I'm going to be every one of those things as much as I can. And as God, God will agree with you in that pursuit. I didn't even get to all my notes, but I got to the the good ones. God will agree with you in that pursuit. Find yourself, because we ain't all doing all of that. And every day you might get challenged in a different part. You might might let go of that grudge but then somebody's going to yell at you and you're going to snap. So you might get over the grudge part and have a snap part. You got to do it all. And because you are made like him, you can be like him. Amen? Amen. Amen.